Hello and thank you for joining me, Daniel Barnett, on episode 17 of Employment Law Matters. This week I'm discussing disrupting disciplinaries. What do you do if an employee goes off sick after you launch a disciplinary process? What about if an employee puts in a grievance after you've started disciplinary proceedings? When this happens, things get messy very quickly. And in this episode, I'll cover what to do when either of those two things happens. But before we start, a quick thank you to Copper Arse. Copper Arse, great name, wrote on iTunes about this podcast. Very clear and helpful, whether you are in employment law, HR, or anything else dealing with employment issues. These just give you more tools to assist you. Well done, Daniel. Makes employment law more interesting. Well, I try. Thank you, Copperas. And if you want to send a quick email to podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk, I'll send you a copy of my employee investigations book as a thank you for your review. And if anyone else listening wants a copy, pop a review on iTunes. Every single week we choose somebody to read out their review and send them a copy of the book. Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. The simplest way to keep your managers on track is to prepare them for the problems of a employee who's going to disrupt a disciplinary. Training should cover for the most awkward employees and should cover all the tools they may use to wrestle control from the company. Use your most experienced managers for tricky disciplinaries. And your policies may not say explicitly what happens if an employee goes off sick or raises a grievance during a disciplinary process, but there should be a plan. Just remember, more than anything else, who's the boss? Keep those three words at the forefront of your mind. Who's the boss? I'll give you a clue. You are. And if you allow an employee to derail your disciplinary and drag you off down a long winding road of sickness, absence and grievances, you're not being the boss. They are. Don't let it happen. Keep control. Here's how. I'll deal first with reactionary sickness. When someone goes off sick, as soon as they hear they're being disciplined, usually with stress, and then I'll cover when they put in a grievance. So reactionary sickness. We know delay is bad for everyone. Think about why someone would be going off with stress. What's the cause of the stress? Well, it's almost always the pending disciplinary. What's the best way of getting rid of the source of the stress? It's get on with the disciplinary. The ACAS Code of Practice says that disciplinary hearings should be held without unreasonable delay. And even with the best intentions, delaying too long will often end up backfiring on the employer. Delay is not good for the employee either. The DWP Health and Work Handbook says that postponing an unresolved dispute is bad for an employee's mental health. And there are practical issues at play too. As time passes, memories fade and evidence may be lost. So take action. An employee can be too sick to work, but well enough to engage with a disciplinary process. Just because the GP said not fit to work doesn't mean they're not fit to attend a meeting or respond to disciplinary allegations. If an employee doesn't give a reasonable timescale for returning to work, an occupational health referral might help move things along. 
and in most cases occupational health is likely to recommend going ahead, although they may suggest adjustments to the process, such as a neutral venue. And if the employee still refuses to engage, there's a greater justification for you to press on with a hearing in their absence when you have an occupational health report saying they're fit to respond to allegations. What if they say they'll return and engage with the process, but then stays off sick? Well, don't let things drag on indefinitely with multiple extended hearing dates, get occupational health involved. And the same goes for an employee who's at work, but continually requests postponements or doesn't turn up to hearings. If there's a good reason, you can accommodate one postponement request or failure to turn up. You might even accommodate a second request in extenuating circumstances. But don't let matters slip out of your control. The reluctant employee may not be the only individual with an interest in resolving the matter. There'll come a time when action is required. If they're reluctant to attend, be creative. Can they bring a friend or family member to the hearing rather than a colleague or trade union rep? Can you arrange to meet them in a neutral place or conduct part of the hearing by phone or by Skype? Maybe invite written submissions. Any engagement is better than no engagement. And if you've given them the chance to come to a meeting at a neutral venue, to put in written submissions, to conduct the meeting by Skype, and they've not engaged with you for any of these possible solutions, you'll be in a much stronger position when it comes to persuading a tribunal that you've acted reasonably. Sometimes nothing works. If the employee refuses to attend a hearing or is persistently unavailable, you'll make a decision on the evidence available. Now, it should be a last resort, of course, but sometimes there's no choice. You can't abandon a disciplinary process simply because the employee will not engage with it. Make sure you tell them you're going to go ahead to give them one last opportunity to attend and make sure you give them the right to appeal if you dismiss them. Then we come to the reactionary grievance. This happens a lot. You tell an employee they're going to be disciplined and they try to muddy the waters by raising a grievance. The ACAS Code of Practice says a disciplinary process may be halted to deal with a grievance. It doesn't say the disciplinary process must be halted. It also says the processes, disciplinary and grievance, can be dealt with concurrently yet separately. Now, the appropriate action will depend on the nature of the grievance. If the grievance covers the same or similar issues, it may help to combine the two processes so one manager can hear all the evidence and make decisions on both the grievance and the disciplinary matter. What if the grievance relates to the disciplining officer? What if the employee says the disciplinary officer is biased? Well, in that situation, you have two choices. Number one, you halt the disciplinary process and you say, oh, that's a good point. Let's set up a grievance hearing to look into that. And three months later, after the employee has dragged their feet, you decide the disciplinary manager isn't biased and you continue with that same disciplinary manager having spent three months salary whilst the employee is suspended. Or, and here's a good idea, you say to the employee, ah, oh, interesting. Well, we're sorry you feel that way. We don't agree, but tell you what, we'll appoint somebody else to deal with the disciplinary. And you just appoint somebody else. 
Do keep an open mind, because although the employee may be disgruntled, they might also have a point. Another common curveball involves companions. Sometimes employees try to delay by saying their companion can't attend on a given date. Now, we all know that Section 10 of the Employee Relations Act 1999 gives employees the right to be accompanied at disciplinary hearings by a workplace colleague or a trade union representative. Legally, an employee should suggest a new date within the next five working days. And if the date they suggest is more than five working days ahead, there's not a strict legal obligation under that act to delay more than five days. But, 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 failing to delay six, seven, eight, ten days may nevertheless be unreasonable under the section 98 subsection 4 rules on unfair dismissal. You've got to act reasonably in all the circumstances and a few days won't make that much difference. Play the long game here. Sometimes a very distressed or disgruntled employee might ask to bring a lawyer to a disciplinary hearing. They can wave the right to legal representation flag, referring to Article 6 of the Human Rights Act. Now, unless the employee is disabled, where reasonable adjustments are required, or it's a contractual right to be represented by a lawyer, which is not common, but it's sometimes the case, or it's a career-ending allegation, as it may be for some in professional sectors or the finance sector, just say no. The right to legal representation argument hasn't been successful, even in cases where the dismissal could lead to wider steps being taken by a regulatory body, other than in limited circumstances for medics and teachers. So keep lawyers out of it at this stage, but make sure the rest of your process is above scrutiny. Bear in mind the test for unfair dismissal revolves around reasonableness, and it can be hard to be reasonable with employees who don't engage. Tricky employees challenge the patience of even the most experienced managers. Don't be drawn in. These employees are the ones who are most likely to bring a tribunal claim. Do everything as if a tribunal judge is watching. That doesn't mean do nothing. You're the boss. It just means tread carefully. Now, if you think your business could do with some help here, I do in-house training on handling disciplinary, dismissal and performance issues. It's two hours long and it's aimed at line managers. During it, we cover how to handle disciplinaries and performance management through the eyes of fictional case studies where the managers get everything wrong. If you'd like me to come and deliver the training to your managers, and we usually work in groups of 20 to 40 managers in the room, do get in touch via podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk and I'll be able to tell you a lot more. Thank you so much for listening. Please do subscribe to these podcasts. Search for Employment Law Matters on your podcast player or go to www.danielbarnett.co.uk slash podcast next week's podcast which comes out on tuesday next week is a couple of cases on harassment thank you for listening and goodbye any information on this podcast is for general guidance only always seek legal advice please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms